Well, welcome everyone. You can have a seat. My name is Debbie Manning. I'm one of the pastors here at the table. And we wanted to start this service out today by saying Happy Mother's Day. And this is a day that we celebrate our mothers, those that have been like mothers to us. And we hold that joy uh, together with um, some of the loss in this day for many people. Those that have lost a mother, those who don't have the relationship they hoped for with the mother. Those who've lost a child, those who can't have a child. Those who are waiting and wanting. And at the same time, we hold that joy and sorrow together, the gratitude for those, the spiritual mothers in our lives, those who have stepped in and actually been a physical mother, those who've met our emotional needs. And that's how we see God work, right, in just these amazing ways through different people in our lives. And so today we do. We celebrate mothers, and we also lift up those who are in some pain um, regarding that, I was on the phone earlier th today with my own mother, and now this day means something for me because my mother's lost a daughter. I was on the phone with my nephew Riley. It's his second Mother's Day without a mom. And I know each of you have your own stories like that. So today, we celebrate Mother's Day, all the good and the hard and everything in between. And before I invite our speaker up, I would love to just start us out in prayer. Please join me. Holy and gracious God, we come together and uh, worship you. Be reminded of your love. Be reminded of the ways you work, even in hard circumstances. The way, God, that you show up as a mother through so many people that you put in our lives. And today, God, we are so grateful for that. I lift up all the stories in this room and pray that in the midst of it all, God, that we might experience your love and your joy and your care. We pray all this in your name and all God's people said, amen. Well, with that, um, we have a special treat tonight. Um, one of our hopes for the next couple months is we want to hear from different voices in our community, and we've invited Molly Huff to speak to us tonight on the motherhood of God. Molly spoke uh, two months ago at our Women at the Table, and it was awesome. And uh, so we've invited her. It felt fitting for her to speak on that tonight on Mother's Day. And Molly is someone who's really been with us from the beginning of our church plant here. I'll still remember you coming at the trial time we had and, and meeting you, and um, you've continued to inspire us just with, your faithfulness and your story and your intelligence and your joy and all those things. So um, please welcome Molly Huff up. Now we got it. We got it. Uh, well, Debbie, thank you for that very humbling introduction. Uh, I am so pleased to be here, um, and I'm just, uh, again, very humbled to be able to hold this day well um, for this church and this community. Uh, Debbie and Matt, wherever Matt is, it is really hard to see up here. There he is. Hey, Matt. 
Uh, Debbie and Matt asked me to preach tonight um, on the motherhood of God. And maybe I was the only person that responded to the text that you guys threw out. Who knows? Um, But either way, I'm just really grateful to be here um, and in this space tonight. So tonight we're talking about the motherhood of God, uh, which is something that I think we have not been able to hear much about and learn much about um, as a community here at the table. And so in order to share with you about this topic, I also need to share a part of my story um, and different aspects of um, God as a mother that I've been able to dive into. And so I'm forewarning you now that uh, this is always a pretty emotional topic for me, Um, so it might be a little bit of an emotional ride tonight, but we're going to get through it together. Uh, So I'm also going to pray one more time before we dive in here, so bow your heads. Mother God, thank you again for this day. Um, Thank you for this community of people uh, who want to honor you well um, and who want to lift you up and know these other parts of you. Um, We are so grateful for this time to be together. Um, We love you dearly. Amen. Okay, so when I was 14 years old, um, I had lived with my mother my whole life up to this point. And we were very close. Uh, We just had a really beautiful bond together. And it was at 14 that my mother ended up meeting a guy. um, And two months later, married him. And at this point, I was um, moved out of my childhood home, uh, moved in with this man that I didn't know. He was a stranger to me. And uh, it just kind of fell apart at this point. Uh, My relationship with my mother Um, She had kind of turned into a different person at this point um, because of uh, the man uh, that this guy was in my mother's life. Um, And it just became very clear very quickly uh, how this was not a healthy space for me to be in with this person. Um, And so at the age of 14, I had just become a new Christian as well, um, which (laughs) means so many different things. Um, that you're trying to figure out, and um, I felt like I was given the strength in that moment to make a very difficult decision at 14 um, to move out of my mother's house and to move in with my father. And my father at this point uh, was a stranger to me. Uh, He was not someone I had a relationship with. He was not someone that um, I really knew at all, Um, but I knew that I needed to be in a different environment, and so um, I called him up, asked to move in, came and picked me up a week later, and <clears throat> this, whew, we're getting emotional. Here we go. Okay, uh, and <clears throat> I remember going down to our basement, and I packed this crappy red suitcase um, that was very small uh, because I thought that I was going to be back very soon in my mother's home after we had just been able to put some boundaries in place and figure some things out, and um, I ran upstairs, and um, I was about to leave, and my mother was standing at the front door. And I went to go say bye to her as my father's waiting in the car. And, uh, and my mother couldn't even look at me. Um, and I tried to hug her goodbye, and she couldn't even wrap her arms around me to give me the hug goodbye that I so desperately needed at 14. <clears throat> and it was after this that... Um, Our relationship just never recovered. Uh, We spent years trying to make that happen. Um, And it just, after uh, many of those moments, it just couldn't come back to where it was. 
And so as I said, I was a new Christian, and it was in this moment that uh, I would literally cry out at night for a mother and the love of a mother and needing that embrace and needing um, just the affirmation of a mother at 14 years old and the unrelenting love that a mother is giving to a 14-year-old. And um, I just didn't have it. It was no longer there for me. And uh, it was in this crying out and this, um, I mean, literally having your bones cry out um, for a mother. That I was able to enter into this aspect of a relationship with who God is um, that has brought me to where I am today. And that was entering into this space of relating to God as a mother. And this was weird. <laughs> it almost felt like a dirty word. Like it was like, oh, mother of God, that's really weird. Uh, and, but it's what I needed. It, I mean, I needed the love of a mother at 14. Uh, and I was able to enter into this space and start um, truly imagining God as a mother in my life. Um, to get those embraces and to get those affirmations and to get um, that relationship that I was so um, needing and thirsting for at 14 years old. And I, in moving into my father's house as well, um, I didn't know my father. So God the father wasn't helpful either because <laughs> um, I didn't know him. He was a stranger to me. We didn't have a good relationship. And like so many, um, I'd been very hurt by my father on very many levels. Um, so it just, there was just this interesting image that continued to come to me as God is the mother. Um, and so I think that's the part of my story that I need you to know as we kind of enter into this. Um, and knowing that uh, it's okay <laughs> to think of God as a mother, um, but I do want to explore more aspects of that tonight and what that might mean. So <clears throat> to do that, I need to start with some of the basics uh, to kind of get through this talk tonight. So the first basic that we're going to go over is that God is not a man and God is not a woman. Period. Thank you, Maggie. <laughs> um, God has no biology. God just doesn't. Um, and I think we've had this understanding that language can seriously limit us in our understanding. Um, it's just a limiting aspect of our culture and our society because even the term man and woman can be severely limiting to those that don't even identify this way. And that has to be important and that has to be held well as we enter into this. So that's the first. So then we have these gender terms such as masculine and feminine um, that we have used to describe who God is and different traits and characteristics of God as we are trying to relate to God. And so most of us, intentionally or not, um, we're thinking of God as male, right? We pray to God as a, as a male, we worship to God as a male, um, and even here at the table, uh, we refer to God as a male always. Um, and I want to be very clear, though, when I'm entering into this, that referring to God as he is not wrong. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. That's a very beautiful um, loving aspect of who God is, um, but it's not the only aspect of who God is, and that's the part that we need to pay attention to. So it does mean that there is this very intentional untangling that we have to do tonight um, in understanding not just God as the father, but God as the, God as the mother as well. Um, Richard Rohr, I'm, 
I'm sure some of you in here have heard of Richard Rohr. Woo, go Richard. Um, <laughs> he's the best. If you don't know who he is, go look him up. Um, Richard Rohr refers to this as the order, disorder, and reorder. Uh, and so I'm hoping tonight we can kind of be somewhere in between the disorder and the reorder. So second, we've allowed ourselves to categorize traits of God as either masculine or feminine. So these uh, masculine traits, the, the right traits, are things like taking initiative, being strong, warrior God, leader God. Um, and those are like the good characteristics of God, right? It's the male masculine traits of who God is. And then there's the feminine aspects of who God is. And these are things like submissiveness, meekness, emotional, um, and these are seen as feminine traits that aren't as good um, as these rather masculine traits that we like to attach to who God is. And when I'm referring to these very like masculine and feminine um, aspects, these are stereotypes. Um, and unfortunately, I wish that I could um, have a whole other service on untangling those things just for that point of tonight, I need to refer a little bit stereotypically about male and female um, attributes. So Benevis grew up with these absolutely massive differences between men and women. So I know when I was growing up, I mean, this is like the classic example of like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, like we are just so massively different from each other. And I remember thinking as a young child being like, oh my God, well, if men are so different from me, how am I ever going to like marry someone? <laughs> like, how is this ever going to work? Because they're just such different human beings than I am. Um, which is like a, a really scary thought. Uh, but um, is what it means is that there's these, <clears throat> well, not what it means, but I think we've been able to uncover that these are actually pretty small differences between us. Um, and I think we've been able to look at both gender and feminine and masculine qualities as more of a scale, right, so that we can be on at any certain time. Um, but we have assumed that these massive differences between us is what we were supposed to, is what God intended in creation, right? So if I have more masculine traits, then that's wrong. There's something in me that's wrong. It's not what God intended um, because we, that there's this very clear camp on either side. Um, and, and that just sucks. Like, sorry, I don't know if I can say that in church, but that just <laughs> sucks. Because, um, I, I mean, even growing up, I, I just very vividly remember having this absolute meltdown in Old Navy. Um, <clears throat> yes, Old Navy is the best place. <laughs> very classy. Uh, and because I hated wearing dresses because I was an adventurer. I wanted to go out. I wanted to ride my bike. I wanted to do all this stuff. And so finally they said, okay, well, you can get shorts. I was like, oh, yes, I can go get shorts. And I ran to the boys' section, and I got Old Navy boy shorts, like the cargo shorts, because they have bigger pockets, and they have more pockets, so I can hold all my treasures in all of these pockets. Um, and I had an absolute battle with them about me having to um, get female shorts versus male shorts. And that made me feel like there was something wrong, right? Um, and, and I need to make this comparison of, well, what if we're able to start looking at this as this isn't what God intended in creation, but rather this is the result of the fall of really sinful patterns in our world um, and relationships and systemic patriarchy that we have come to know and are untangling in every aspect of our society right now. So if we can have this understanding that these assumptions about men and women um, are not complete, 
why is it that we are still tending to think of God as more male than female, more masculine than feminine, more right than wrong? Because there are certainly an abundance of male metaphors in the Bible. So that, like, that makes sense. I get that. Um, and like I said, that's not wrong. But the good news <laughs> is that there are so many, just an abundance of repetitive, loving, feminine metaphors in the Bible as well. And those need to be lifted up and celebrated and appreciated. Um, and not just once every couple Sundays. So there's some pushback that might be happening in you right now. Um, I know that I am still struggling with some of this, that there's this pushback of, well, okay, Molly, um, well, is God just gender fluid based on whatever you want him or her to be whenever you want it? Uh, and I would, I would push back and say that God is actually transcending gender and our understanding of gender and our understanding of stereotypes to connect with you, to connect with you in this really intimate, beautiful way if you let him or her do it. So there's this other instinct, I think, that kicks in with many of us uh, that says that we need to protect God's maleness, right? So there's this, and some of you might be experiencing that right now of like, what is this girl saying? Like, come on, we've got a God is male. Um, <clears throat> I get that. I get that because I'm still untangling some of that in myself as well. Um, but there's no need to protect God's maleness um, because God is not male or female. God is genderless. Um, but God has intentionally also revealed through Jesus that God is actually both. And God reveals herself to us as mother God and this shouldn't be ignored. And we are limiting our experience of God and healing by buying into these limiting stereotypes. So to be savior of all, of everyone here, of women, of men, of transgendered, God is Christ in the incarnation must have assumed full humanity. So not just maleness, full humanity that each of us get to experience. So before I go into these specific verses, um, I do want to highlight a little bit of God's femininity and some of God's feminine qualities. Because this can be really easy to write off and it can be really easy to just kind of like speed over and be like, oh yeah, that's nice. There's a female metaphor in the Bible. Um, but it's not. It's not. It really is this very repetitive loving metaphors of women and of God being a mother and God, God herself referring to herself as a mother. And so God um, revealed herself to us through Jesus, and Jesus did things that only women do. Jesus did things like wash feet. Jesus cooked. Jesus served. Jesus was submissive. Jesus was emotional. And Jesus did the actual ultimate submission. Um, and if you were here, you got to hear um, Debbie talk to us uh, through some of our Easter services, um, specifically about um, the man next to Jesus who was mocking Jesus to not be submissive. Jesus, get down from the cross. Jesus, stop being submissive. Jesus, stop being so womanly. You are the leader. You are the king. So get down from this cross. And Jesus actually saved all of us by being submissive and by being more womanly. And that should be treasured and should be lifted up. And so the Greek word uh, for masculine, I should have asked either Matt or Debbie how to pronounce this word because this, I ran into this last time when I said this, but um, I believe it's Andrea 
is the Greek word for masculine. And it's important to note that this never once occurs in the New Testament. Um, so there is not one instance where church leaders or men in general are being told to be more manly. They're not being told to be more masculine in order to uphold the church. Um, and I think that's important to note because, again, language does matter. Um, and so the Bible is strongly patriarchal. Um, it was written by men. Culturally, men were superior. And yet there's these incredible feminine themes that are breaking through. So I'm going to do a quick pop quiz. And those of you, I have to precursor this, those of you that were at the table women, you can't answer this question. That's just cheating. Um, so here's my question for you. In the Bible, who is the only person who out-argues Jesus in a public debate? Matt? <laughs> uh, so if I can get the slide up there, Patty or Matt, whoever it is. Um, it's a woman. It's an unnamed Gentile woman. Um, and we'll read this together. The woman came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. But Jesus replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Oh, woman, Jesus answered. Your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This is a pretty significant verse. Um, and both Mark and Matthew speak about this unnamed Gentile woman. Um, and they talk about how she approaches Jesus and, and how she barges into this house where she is not welcome, uh, where Jesus is staying and asks him to heal her daughter. I mean, there's this fierceness of motherhood in this text right here of this woman doing everything she possibly can and going into spaces where she's not invited to get healing for her daughter. And Jesus is actually, well, not actually, Jesus is very dismissive of this woman. And we could probably have a whole sermon on um, the response that Jesus says, it's not, right, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Calling someone a dog is... That's a serious insult. <laughs> I mean, that's not just kind of like, okay, please leave us alone. I mean, that's like a pretty serious insult to hurl at this person. Um, so I don't know. Jesus seems pretty moody at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she doesn't let that stop her. She responds. There's fierceness in her. She says, yes, it is, Lord, and then goes to change Jesus' mind by saying, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She talks back, and she changes Jesus' mind, um, which is pretty great, because I know that if someone who I'm looking at as king of the Jews and my savior and who I'm hoping can heal my daughter, um, if someone were to say, uh, yeah, Molly, you can't eat at this table because um, you're a dog. I'd be like, okay, bye. <laughs> like, I just, I wouldn't go back and be like, no, Jesus, but even, and to have this, like, actually very witty, smart, intelligent response um, to Jesus and changes her mind, and her daughter is healed as a result of that, um, and that's pretty special. So, oh, this was my pop culture reference. I got to get this in. Okay, uh, here we go. So the story can be read as a celebration of a woman who nevertheless, thank you. There we go. I got some pop culture in there. Um, okay, so 
Yes, the Bible was written from a male perspective, but there's also these portrayals of God as a mother. And there's these portrayals um, of these feminine qualities of gods, of, of God, not gods. Woo. So if we want to experience and be transformed by the love of God, we have got to adjust our mental pictures of God. So rather than just this angry father figure who might want to point out everything that you've ever done wrong in your life, I want us to start looking at these different images of God and experiencing these different sides of God. And I want it to look a little bit more like this. In Matthew 23, 27, <clears throat> God refers to herself as a mother hen and speaks of a mother's protective love and the fierceness of that and the inclusivity of this ever-welcoming, outstretching of wings, that you are going to be protected under my wing because I am a mother hen that will protect you. There's inclusivity of this, and there's fierceness in this. In Isaiah 42, 14, God is portrayed as a woman in labor because these are her people. That is a, a beautiful, intense, loving, soul-stretching metaphor that I don't even understand yet. But it is an important metaphor nonetheless, and one that, again, should not be look, overlooked. I'm going to go to my favorite one, which is Isaiah 40. Oh, it's already up there. Woo, okay. Isaiah 49, 15. So when the Israelites felt forsaken and forgotten by God, God responds and says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. You see, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. God will not forget you. This is, this is beyond even an earthly mother, and I, and I, and I need us to just pause and, and, and look at this verse again and to hear it. I need you to hear God say this to you. I need you to hear that God will not forget you because she has engraved you on the palm of her hands. When I was 14, and I was crying out in my room for a mother. I experienced this tenderness. <clears throat> I experienced this fierceness. I experienced this embrace of a mother hen keeping me under her wing. I experienced a God who said, I will not forget you because I've written you on the palm of my hand. I have encountered a transformative love of a perfect heavenly mother. I want to keep going because there's more. We're not done. Uh, and Zephaniah 3.17 <clears throat> speaks of a God rejoicing over you with song. So I, I, again, I want to enter into this aspect of can you imagine a God as a mother who is rejoicing over you with singing? I mean, can you feel the joy radiating from that voice First, can you feel the joy that is radiating from those words and that song? There's tenderness there. There's an embrace there. Or can you imagine God as a mother, as a loving parent who runs to embrace you after you've rebelled against her? 
Can you imagine the eyes of Jesus staring into your eyes with an affection that resembles, or better yet, goes far beyond the affection of a mother? Today, I am opting for the mother hen God. The God who welcomes all her children under her wings, no matter who they are. And Jesus has showed us this by embracing women and the feminine aspect of God. And we do not emasculate the divine by doing this. We affirm the humanity of women and we expand our understanding of God. Genesis tells us that God created us in God's image. What a gift that we can celebrate the endless variety that God shows us about God's self through each other, male and female and transgender and bodies of different sizes, shapes, abilities and colors. And wouldn't it be interesting if we someday come to the point where there is no need to devote an entire service to the feminine faces of faith because it will already be so integrated into our faith practices that it's just second nature for all of us here. But until that time comes, we'll need to be intentional. We have to be intentional in our efforts to lift lift up the female. So yes, today is a day to hear the voices of women. It's Mother's Day, a day that, like Debbie said, holds pain for many, holds so much joy and gratitude for others, has longing for others. But I think it's important, 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 (laughs) I think it's important to play with the language and the imagery in these liturgical settings that we have, to give ourselves a break from these masculine words and metaphors we hear every other Sunday and to see just what it feels like to call God mother. And perhaps this is the start of another shift for us. Not all the way back to the exclusively female God, but a shift to honoring both the male and the female and everything in between. Today we are celebrating these aspects of God and humanity and giving, and giving thanks for the grace that comes to us and through us as a result. So I know many of you in this room, there's this gap between the mother you needed and maybe the mother that you got, or the father you needed and the father you got, or the sister you needed and the sister you got, whatever it might be. But this one, the motherhood of God, God as the mother needs attention. And it needs intentional untangling to experience the fullness of this God that we love so deeply. So even in this room tonight, um, can you just feel the expansion happening tonight? The expansion of, of, uh, as we're entering into even just talking about calling God as the mother. An expansion of God's love and an opening of our minds with the help of the Holy Spirit as we engage in this. And I think it's important to relate to God however you can. Refer to God as they if that is what is a connecting point for you. Because we have to remember that language is a cultural concept that we are pretty limited by. So I'm going to end with this. Uh, If I can get the picture of Sherry up there. Um, Oh man, here we go. (laughs) Okay. Um, This is Sherry Fieser. Uh, God cared about me so much. God loved me so much. God cared about the details of my life so much. 
that God provided this imperfect mother to me. This woman who has adopted me into her family, this woman who has loved me every holiday, every time that I didn't have somewhere to go, um, a woman who has embraced me and there is healing that is occurring with every hug, every embrace, every time she asks me questions about my life, every time I get to vent to her over a glass or two or three or five, um, over, and there's healing that occurs. And this imperfect earthly mother that was given to me, I tell you what, every single time I get embraced by her, and it is an embrace, I get to feel the love of a perfect heavenly mother through her. And God didn't just stop at that in my life. Uh, If we can do the next one. Um, This is my family. And this is the group of people who brought me into their home. It allowed me to be a part of their life and a part of their family in every meaning of the term. And I got to experience the fullness of a perfect heavenly mother that was beyond just Sherry Fieser. Now I have this whole family, which is pretty special. We all need this love. Whether you have this amazing relationship with your mother or not, we all need this love of this perfect heavenly mother. And I urge you not to miss it. I'm going to end with this. We manifest true kingdom living as we experience the perfect motherly love of God towards us. Table family, see God's love in the eyes of Jesus and be transformed because, beloved, you belong to a perfect heavenly mother. Amen. Something that stuck with me most about that um, Molly's story is the moment in which she's crying out to God and needs this love, this unrelenting, didn't ask for it, but deserved it more than anything, love. Um, And that's the love that we get from Jesus, um, from God the Father, from God the Mother. Um, And when we feel so forgotten, we are reminded that we're written on the palm of their hand. Um, I, like a lot of people, have been through the rigmarole of church and been in a moment where I don't feel welcome at this table that we come to every week. I don't feel like I am a person that belongs there because for so long I've been told no um, because of who I love. Um, But we're reminded again and again that when we say yes, God has already said yes to us and that again we are written on the palm of their hand. So on the night that Jesus, before he was betrayed, he gathered for dinner with his friends and when he took the bread, he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat this, remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had finished and he poured wine into the cup and he gave it to them and said, this is the new covenant in my blood shed for you. Every time you drink this, remember me. Here at the table, all people are welcome. 
We practice by intinction, which means that when you feel ready, you can come forward and grab a piece of the bread and dip it into the cup. There's going to be three stations along the front, two at the side and one at the center with gluten-free elements. And before we join together in the Lord's Prayer, we have a note about how we're going to be moving forward at the table. When we asked these two to speak tonight, I told them you guys are their dream team and they sure are. Thank you for your words. Beautiful words. And we all do, every single one of us, we are beloved and we do belong. And gosh, we are a messy group of people and we are trying to grow and be transformed. And Molly, I think you're right. We can only do that when we see this bigger God that transcends gender. And we know that some of our practices need to be changed and we'll do that little by little and we'll continue to make mistakes but one of the practices that we would like to shift a little bit on is when we every Sunday night at the table after words of institution stand together for the Lord's Prayer we're gonna move from this point on from saying our Father to our God so that we're acknowledging that we believe and follow this God that is far more than just a male God it's has both characteristics, male and female, transcends gender. And that's a beautiful way for us to worship. So together, please stand as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 